Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Read the Chicago Reader to get up to speed on what's what in Chicago. Culture. Food. Arts and entertainment. Weekly concert listings. Weekly event listings. The environment. Travel. I can continue, but you get the point. And for all of you Chicago political junkies, raw weekly columns on real city politics from Maya Dukmasova and our very own Ben Jarofsky. The Chicago Reader. Free to the public in newsstands throughout the city and online at chicagoreader.com. Read it now and be a more informed Chicagoan. I'm wearing gloves today. Do that thing again, man. (laughs) Yeah, that's what it is, huh? Your Ben Jarofsky show. Four. Today's the 25th, right? Yep. All right. Time is flying. Anyone else losing track of what day it is? (laughs) What month it is? (laughs) Holy crap. Your Ben Jarofsky show for Wednesday, March 25th is moments away. But before we get into that, we got to thank the following unions for sponsoring this program. Unions like... The International Association of Machinists and Aerospace Workers, Local 126 and District 8. <laughs> the International Brotherhood of Electrical Workers, Local 9. That is good. <laughs> the International Union of Operating Engineers, Local 150. And, of course, today's Ben Jarofsky show is brought to you by our good friends at the Chicago Federation of Labor. Hope you're doing okay, Bob Ryder. Benny J., let's hear a song of the day. Uh, my, 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 my Corona. I've been singing that song for the every day I wake up, and that's I just hop out of bed and start singing. My, 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 my Corona. Please let that be the last time you sing that on this show. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> too Probably soon should. and a little cringy <laughs> i shouldn't share those things ben restraint social distancing the ben Jarofsky show starts now it is wednesday march 25th and live from ben's house this is the ben Jarofsky show Today on the program, legendary Chicago journalist Monroe Anderson will join us by phone. And we welcome also by phone our good friend and political scientist, Lorene Targos. And now your host only takes one listen to this show to know that he's not a political scientist. (laughs) Chicago Reader columnist, Ben Jarofsky. Uh, Hello, everybody. Ben Jarofsky here. We're calling this Fantastic Voyage Wednesday. And here's why. I took, a t- I took a trip through Donald Trump's brain yesterday, D. Oh, lucky you. Yeah, I'm calling it Fantastic Voyage. Uh, it, I'm naming it for a movie that came out many, many years ago uh, when I was a wee lad. And it was about these scientists who got into this real, who shrunk themselves like, I, like beyond, smaller than ants. They were really small, folks. And they got into a sum, tiny submarine that went on a trip through the human body. I vaguely remember seeing this movie way back when in the 1960s and thinking, oh my God, this is really cool. Don't hold me to that, folks. It was very young and very impressionable. For all I know, it's a terrible movie. But the point is, whenever I get this notion of this, this metaphorical notion of going into someone's brain, I think of it as a fantastic voyage, a fantastic journey. So that's what it was. 
Uh, yesterday, I was taking a trip through Donald Trump's brain, and let's see. Let me just set it up for you a little bit, folks. I've been getting a greater dosage of Donald Trump uh, during the era of coronavirus, and than I had before. I kind of wasn't really a Trump holic, if you know what I'm saying, D. I mean, I. I, I didn't like obsessively listen to him or follow his interviews, but now that I'm turning to him for leadership and guidance as our president. That's where our, it all starts, by the way. What's that? Next thing you know, next week, Ben's going to be a crazy Trumper. <laughs> hey, I'm wearing a red hat You're today. wearing your red hat. Mm. That's where it all starts, just saying. <laughs> At the bowling alley, a guy saw me wearing this red hat. He goes, you're a mega hat guy. And the, the guy was actually a Trump supporter tonight. Oh, you want to hang out this weekend? Uh, <laughs> hey there. Hey, nice hat. Wabbish. <laughs> Find me on Wabbish. Uh, yeah, want to hang out this weekend? Uh, not really. Uh, not for the next uh, year or so. Anyway, so um, watching Trump's press conference or his briefing, whatever they call it, this is the one that was in the ro- uh, the Rose Garden and he set it up. He was sitting next to Pence. And they were actually doing uh, social distancing. It, t- it only took him like a month to figure this out. Uh, you know, so you got Trump and uh, you got uh, Pence and you got the Surgeon General and you have a doctor and they don't have Dr. Fauci anywhere. Apparently he's off the radar now. He he got Trump mad because he said he did something. He said something that contradicted what Trump said. That's it. You're gone. Beat it. You know, here's a funny thing, just on a tangent within a tangent. All my friends of the right-wing persuasion are always talking about free expression and how we should just appreciate free, the need for free expression. This is an old debate. We haven't heard this one in a while, coronavirus. A lot of the old, great old debates have fallen by the wayside, D. Have you noticed that in the age of coronavirus? The old free expression debate, you know, they should allow anybody to go to anywhere and say anything that insulted anybody and so what? Man it up. Take it. Don't be a snowflake. I love it. You say the age of coronavirus. It's been like two weeks. I know, but it's like everything's changed uh so you know anyway so but that doesn't work with trump if you say anything if you exercise your first amendment right oh no your free expression right you know to say what's on your mind even if it's like you're scientifically accurate and he's not he gets offended boom that's it you're gone and interesting so i guess there's only free expression for uh right-wingers anyway i believe the term is you're fired you're fine. We hasn't fired this doctor yet. He hasn't quite. You know, with Trump, it's like he's not like first there's like exile and then they fire you. You know, and there's, he, he rips you in Twitter with a tweet. Uh, but they, he, how long did he keep Jeff Sessions just hanging around? Remember, he was mocking him and uh, taunting him on Twitter. And then finally he got rid of him. It took a while. Um, anyway, so all right, so Fauci wasn't there. It, it was these other people, the Surgeon General. But the, that the, the doesn't really matter who was there. But the point is, it was at this um, Rose Garden briefing where. Uh, oh my God, Fauci's on the brown line. <laughs> He's driving. He and Rom are driving the brown line. Rahm Emanuel, mayor of the city of Chicago, giving advice to New York on how to run a transit. Remember Fauci, those- don't touch that rail. <laughs> Uh, the good old days when we could talk about. By the way, that uh, yesterday's show where uh, Dave Glowatz came in and uh, did this city council report was really, folks, I enjoyed that immensely. It was, it was like, much needed for you. Yes, it was. Going, I was thinking of bringing uh, Dave back today, but uh, I realized maybe next week we'll bring because he didn't quite finish the report. He had more things to talk about. It was just, it, there was just something quaint and uh, satisfying about um you know, dealing with local issues, which were not linked to like this, whether we're going to live or die, you know, those kinds of issues. 
although they're very important. Anyway, so uh, going back to Donald Trump, so he made the pronouncement that uh, he wants the economy opened up by Easter. He was very specific. He said Easter. And, uh, you know, I've kind of lost, as Dennis said, I've lost track of time. So when he said that, I was like, when is Easter? And I looked it up, and it's April 12th. That's about three weeks from now. And so, you know, three weeks? I mean, it's very bizarre. Uh, his, his comment was very bizarre on a number of levels, number one. Um, it bears absolutely no relation to what the experts, scientists, and doctors are telling us that the coronavirus epidemic is only going to get worse before it gets better. So it's highly unlikely that we'd be, quote-unquote, opening up the economy and encouraging people to go back to work uh, by uh, Easter in three weeks, by April 12th. Uh, moreover, the, the, what, he, what he was specifically talking about was... Uh, the beautiful sight, and I'll read his exact quote of people in church, and he said, uh, I just thought it would be a beautiful time. Wouldn't it be great to have all the churches full? You'd have packed churches all over our country. I think it would be a beautiful time. That's classic Trump, by the way, the repetition, some basic points. He's actually quite s- skillful at that D. It's sort of like a rock song that just like repeats I said, That's itself. how it all starts. Next thing you know, Ben's going to be a Trump lover. <laughs> well, actually, i got to give him a compliment there. It's pretty good. <laughs> Well, I have to admit he did uh, get elected president somehow or other. He figured that out. So anyway, (laughs) this notion of packed churches, which completely contradicts absolutely everything that the experts are saying we should be doing. They're saying don't go into confined spaces. Even if you do go outside, make sure you're six feet apart. In fact, there was just this video I saw. uh, I I forget where I saw it. Some uh, reporter was explaining that when you're walking down the street, you should actually give people uh, six feet of space. This is one of my pet peeves. The people who walk at you. It's like, don't they realize that there's this whole social distancing thing going on? You know, I have this uh, propensity, this tendency to to cross the street anyway when people are coming at me. But right now, it's like people are coming like literally right at you. So I go, all right, this guy's coming at me. I'm going to veer to the right to avoid him. He keeps coming. It's like I'm a magnet and he's keep coming. So that, you know what? I'm going to just walk. Maybe in. he's a fan. He wanted an autograph. <laughs> walk into the street. Just literally do a, you know, a 90 degree. Crank, sir, running to- away from your fans. You want autographs. <laughs> Oh, these guys aren't fans. Anyway, so um, <laughs> weird behavior. But we're being encouraged to uh, practice social distancing. We're being encouraged to avoid going into uh, crowded spaces. Even that kid, that uh, the basketball playing, baseball playing kid from Cincinnati who made a fool of himself with the interview uh, the, the, in Florida. He goes, Look, uh, I can't worry about Corona, man. I got to party on. Remember that guy with the backwards hat? Yeah. Even that guy has apologized. Too or, many sports, not enough classes, guy. Come on. You know, I don't know. The weird thing, now here's a tangent within a tangent. I When I saw, I think his first name is Bradley. Don't quote me on that, anybody. You know, but when I first saw his... Um, his Corona comments, which was, of course, blowing up on Twitter, I, I, I looked him up and I saw he was a basketball player. He played high school basketball. And I went, isn't he aware that the NBA closed, shut? Did, did he ever think like there was a reason why they closed it? You know, they didn't want all the players to get sick. Well, they don't want the fans to get sick. But for a while, they were talking about having the games without fans. You, you would figure at the very least, I, I'm not saying that uh, he has to be really smart, just like, just mildly curious, you know, is there a reason why that? And anyway, all right, even that guy, that kid is saying, you know what, I was wrong. I apologize. I hope nobody, nobody literally does what I do. Uh, even he is saying, but there's Donald Trump saying pack churches. And I'm like, really bizarre. It, it, first of all, he's not really that religious guy. This is, I'm thinking about this, D. I can't recall Donald Trump going to church 
uh, on a regular basis. I think mostly like on Sundays before the coronavirus, what, he'd be hanging around the White House, he'd go play golf, you know, or he'd go down to Florida, go play golf. I mean, you know, go play golf. I mean, that's kind of what he did, right, D? I don't I recall Donald Trump. I think Donald Trump's going to church. I know Frank will correct me if I'm wrong, um, but I think uh, Donald Trump went to church the day he was sworn in as president. He went to church for a couple funerals, I know. I'm not quite, I don't believe he, it's been to church much more than that. So like this notion of being inspired and moved by the scene of, of a church. It's like, well, if you like church so much, why don't you go to church? And then, you know, he's not particularly a religious person, right? I mean, I hate to... Well, you say that, but they asked him if he was a fan of the Old Testament or the New Testament. He said it's probably equal. <laughs> okay. Remember that? Yeah, I do remember that. I mean, I'm not sure he knows that there is an Old Testament and a New Testament. You know, uh, maybe he didn't learn that. Okay, <laughs> that was a trick question. Uh, and you know, he also said, uh, "quote You know, when I talk about the Bible, it's very personal, so I don't want to get into verses. All right, don't get into that. <laughs> yeah, the Bible means a lot to him, but I don't want to get into specifics. Right, don't want to get into specifics, probably because he can't. But that's okay. I'm not that good at Bible verses either. All right, so, uh, but I would admit it. I go, well, I don't really study the Bible. Well, so. I'm dumb. <laughs> so, But I'm not trying to make myself out to be a man of faith and belief that inspired by the image of people in a church. That's what Donald Trump is trying to get across. I mean, by the way, he's not in any way, like he doesn't live by like the Ten Commandments. You know, he's not following the scripture. He's not living like a, a spiritual life. This is the guy, just to remind you, everybody, who was carrying on with a porn star about, I don't know, a week or two after his wife gave birth. Remember that, D? Remember the porn star? Yeah. Stormy Daniels? Have we forgotten that already? So it's like, why would he be so inspired and moved by a church scene? I, my guess, of course, the obvious, is that he is invoking some image that he realizes he thinks will appeal to his supporters uh, many of his supporters are evangelicals. Uh, they support him precisely because the one thing he won't budge on is opposition uh, to abortion rights for women. So they will follow him through thick and thin because of that. And he is smart enough. Here, more credit to Trump. He's smart enough to realize he can't waver on that at all. It's about the one thing he can't waver on. Uh, and he won't waver on it. Uh, and so uh, here's a, like a, a bone he's throwing out to them. Oh, this church scene. And we'll all be packed into the church. It'll be packed in the church. You don't want people packed into the church. You know? Now, listen. I realize that I just raised the subject of um, Donald Trump's infidelities, D. I realize that. And I know I'm going to get in trouble from a lot of my uh, moderate friends. I'm in trouble with them a lot these days, D. Yeah. They're all mad at me now because I wrote a, a column for the reader uh, which I said, uh, Joe Biden, if he doesn't want to be uh, the nominee for the Democratic Party, should step aside and let somebody else be the nominee. Uh, because I, I made these comments, or I wrote this column, because he disappeared. He vanished for six or seven days. And immediately, uh, many of my centrist friends who are very sensitive to this issue, they really like Joe Biden. I, I can't quite grasp why they like Joe Biden so much, D, but they really like Joe Biden. Maybe it's because they don't want to be wrong 
about their assessment that he was the most electable when at the moment he looks like the least electable. When I think of the 15 people who are on stage or 16 of whatever it was way back when in the summer when uh, we were watching those early debates. Remember they did them in shifts? Oh, they were 20 at one point. The good old days, I call them. Yes, the good old days before everybody knew what the coronavirus was. When I think about the 20 people on stage, I got to tell you, I would say maybe 15 of them 15, conservatively speaking, are probably better equipped to be the Democratic nominee of running against Donald Trump right now. At least an ability to articulate uh, opposition to what Donald Trump, how Donald Trump is leading, uh, or articulating uh, how you would run the government, what you would do, you know, or just showing up and having a complete sentence. Uh, I was listening to Joe Biden the other day on The View. And uh, my, I, I sent Dennis uh, <laughs> this one quote making the rounds. Oh, yeah. You want to play that, D? Yeah, I got it. Would reassess the recommended period for keeping businesses shut and people at home. Are you at all concerned, as Trump said, that we cannot let the cure be worse than the problem itself? We have to take care of the cure. That will make the problem worse no matter what. No matter what. <laughs> we know what has to be done. Whoa. We know you have to reassess the recommended period we have to take care of the cure that will make things worse no matter what you know d that's our candidate that's the guy who's leading us in the battle okay (laughs) i mean listen i know i'm the one who's been saying for all these weeks that being able to express yourself in a simple sentence is overrated in politics in many ways what Joe Biden uttered was more cogent than half the things that Richard M. Daley said as mayor of the city of Chicago, and people reelected him year after year. So I realize that. I realize the bar's low when it comes to Democratic voters. They don't really care if their leaders can speak in a straight sentence, but I don't. The, Ken Davis? <laughs> that one's tough, folks. It's going to be hard for me to rally around Joe Biden when, that, when he's, you know, offering such pearls of wisdom like he is there the cure is worse i anyway so i I, i'm in trouble with my moderate uh listeners who are saying i'm too hard on joe biden and in general uh moderate democrats believe that we should just get along we should be nice and we shouldn't criticize uh and so even just mentioning that Trump had infidelities and that he might be a raging hypocrite when he invokes images of people packed into churches when he himself never goes to church and doesn't have an ounce of anything remotely resembling religious belief in him. Even just mentioning that is, no, Ben, that's not nice. This is a time of national catastrophe. We should be all coming together. Don't say anything bad about Donald Trump. This is how many uh, moderate Democrats view the world. You know, So I, I realize I'm even now in more trouble than I already was uh, when I uh, criticized Joe Biden. Let me say this. In contrast, I watched uh, Governor Cuomo. I was taken to watch Governor Cuomo. Wishing that he were the Democratic nominee. He was watching Governor Cuomo. I could talk about the Cuomos forever. I was a fan of his father, Mario Cuomo, the former governor of New York. Anyway, I was watching Andrew Cuomo give his his press briefing today. And at the end of the press briefing, he was critical of the package that the Senate passed. The Senate passed... uh, I, I don't know if the vote has gone down, uh, D, but they had already they agreed in faith essentially uh, to a bailout of billions and billions of dollars 
a two trillion dollar deal. I want. I think it was uh, two trillion. Think about that, folks. It was just about a month ago that Joe Biden said we couldn't afford health care for all. That it was too expensive for the company, the country. And now we have two trillion dollar bailout deal. All right, I'm sorry. I shouldn't have criticized Joe Biden. I apologize again for doing that. Uh, but anyway, so uh, they're coming to, they're, they're completing the deal. And uh, of course, the, the markets had a brief reaction of optimism because it looks as though they're going to pump money into like airlines industries and uh, fortify uh, some struggling industries in this country. So there was a bit of a market rebound. So the the notion is that as Americans, we should all be happy that we're coming together. But uh, Cuomo, he's like, you know what? It wasn't enough. The money that they approved does not give us enough money in New York. We have far greater needs. And I know we're not supposed to be political at this time. We're all supposed to be nice in the sandbox. Uh, that's what he said. But sometimes you have to, you know, play with sharp elbows. You have to use sharp elbows. Like, yeah, there you go. Yeah, rough and tumble. A guy ready to fight the Republicans. Oh, my moderate friends, no, no, Ben, no, no. Got to get along. Don't say anything. Just just vanish for a while. Anyway, it's going to be a new me today, D. I'm going to be nice. Yeah, I know. You're going to be a Trump polite. lover in about a week. <laughs> nice and polite. Uh, from here on out, I'm going to follow the advice of my centrist Biden-loving fans. I'm just going to say nothing but nice things about Joe Biden and Donald Trump. How about that, D? That's good. Well, let's just get this out of the way then. Play the radio. Make sure the television, the, excuse me, make sure you have the record player on at night. The, the, the phone, make sure the kids hear words. Ah, uh, that's your guy, Democrats. That's your leader. We got a great show today, everybody. Monroe Anderson will be here. He's awful. You know what? Monroe's a Democrat of the centrist persuasion, and I know he's going to defend Joe Biden. I talked to him briefly today. He's all ready to defend Joe Biden, so I'll be curious to see what this has said. And then, you know, point counterpoint, Lorraine Targos will be coming in, EPA scientist, uh, political activist from uh, the Southwest side, a big-time Bernie supporter. I'm sure she'll be a little more critical about Joe Biden and the direction he's uh, leading the Democratic Party. Also, uh, she'll have a lot of interesting things to say about being a scientist uh, in the uh, age of Trump. So lots of good conversation ahead of us, lots of political talk. But before we do any of that, the young man from Alton, the man they call the doctor, with the news. Hey, how's it going, everybody? Yes, I'm wearing gloves, <laughs> but I'm not a doctor. <laughs> All right, let's talk about what COVID-19-related news is happening in Chicago and or Illinois this afternoon. Turns out you can't escape it. I tried, guys. Every story has to do with COVID-19. So first up, United States President, I mean, Illinois Governor, J.B. Pritzker. <laughs> Looking awful presidential these days, wouldn't you say? Oh, yeah. Well, you know, Pritzker, Cuomo. Right now, Joe Biden, step down. Take your choice. Pritzker or Cuomo. Donald Trump looking very uh, much like Donald Trump these days. All right. Governor Pritzker continues his media blast against President Donald Trump after Trump announced his plan to get the country up and running again by the April 12th Easter holiday. By the way, if you couldn't tell already how we feel about that horrible plan. <laughs> Awful plan. Yeah, really dumb idea. Pritzker has thankfully pushed back uh, at his daily briefing, saying something that, well, we've known all along about Donald Trump. Quote, I don't think he's thinking of the science. <laughs> 
Could have told you that one, Pritzker, about a year ago. You could have taken the word science out of that sentence. <laughs> I don't think he's thinking anyway. Just of the science. That's good. All right. He continues by saying, quote, I think he's looking at the stock market, which I know he essentially judges himself by and making decisions that way. Everybody is suffering. But I think the president is not taking into account the true damage that this will do to our country if we see truly millions of people die. And that's what I think would happen. That's what the scientists and doctors tell us would happen. Restrictions are working. Closing bars, restaurants, and schools, and staying indoors all helps mitigate spread. If you don't have these restrictions on, the damage that would be done, the lives that would be lost, the overrunning of our healthcare system would lead to real devastation. So I'm very, very concerned about what the president is saying. Ben Jarofsky, are you ready to jump on board with my prediction? J.B. Pritzker, 2024. Well, First of all, your prediction is rooted in the notion that the Democrats won't win in 2020. Because if the Democrats win in 2020, whoever the that candidate well, I guess is, I'll have to play this again. Play the radio. Make sure the television. <laughs> the, excuse me. Make sure you have the record player on at night. The, the, the phone. Make sure the kids hear words. You're being mean to our centrist friends, Dennis. Okay, be nice. All right, praise Joe Biden. Just praise him to death. All right. Anyway, if you work from the assumption that uh, Donald Trump will win re-election, then yes, I think there's a very good chance that J.B. Pritzker will be a presidential candidate. Look, we said this going back way back in the old days when he was running for governor. Remember, he came into the old studio, and he was a very skillful politician. Yeah. He had the. Uh, remember you asked him about the Obama thing? Yeah, well, what did he say? I can't remember. <laughs> well, you were kind of like uh, very blunt about it. You were like, uh, hey, man, remember when you flip-flopped on that Obama <laughs> statement? Yeah. <laughs> oh, come on, I did not flip-flop, Ben. <laughs> That's right, I said I did flip-flop. not flip-flop. Oh, the good old days. Uh, we had J.P. Pritzker in the studio. And yes, that was when uh, there was that video that emerged at some point. I thought it was going to be devastating to his uh, campaign. Little did I know. Uh, that the people really were going to go for him big time. They figured out, as Terry Cosgrove said, the best way to beat a billionaire is to nominate a billionaire. Uh, anyway, so J.P. Pritzker came in and I asked him about that. There was a v- uh, footage of him being uncertain as to whether he would endorse Obama. This is like in 2012. Uh, and he very skimf- skillfully and nimbly uh, ducked and dodged that one. We used to call him Sugar Ray Pritzker so he's because he was so quick on his feet. He's a very skillful politician. He shows tremendous empathy for people. And then you say, well, he's a wealthy man. Uh, that he has, doesn't have much in common with 99% of the universe. That is true. And yet he shows empathy, something that Donald Trump does not show. And uh, so, yes, he's a very skillful politician. I think he has ambitions. And I do believe there's a chance, if the Democrats don't win in 2020, that he would run in 2024. But I am not eliminating the possibility. I'm not saying the Democrats won't win in 2020. I'm not jumping aboard that bandwagon. I don't know where this thing is going to go. I've been having a lot of conversations, D, as you know, over the last couple of days, uh, not just on the air, but off the air on uh, my obsessive telephone calling that I do all the time uh, with people as to the likelihood of the Democrats replacing Joe Biden with somebody else. I mean, first of all, he disappeared for six days, which is inexcusable in an election. I don't, I don't care what his defenders tell me. And they go, Ben, you don't understand. He doesn't need to be in the in the spotlight now. What matters is where he is in September. Oh, he'll be so far behind in the polls by September. It's like when my mom gets worried about me. Can't you call? Call me. Come on. Give us a phone call. Say hi. Yeah, just Let say us know hi. You're okay. Absolutely. That you exist. And then when he does show up, he, he's terrible. 
But anyway, okay. shouldn't be critical. I'm sorry. I really. I'm sorry. So there's a chance that somebody, you know, they they re- replace them. I remember this. Uh, speaking of Cuomo, uh, I'm at a tangent within a tangent here. Probably talk about this with Monroe. Typical day. Typical uh, day. Typical day. Tangent within a tangent. There was a time Cuomo's. Uh, Governor Cuomo's father was Mario Cuomo, a former governor of New York, for millennial listeners who are too young to remember that or know that. They weren't even born yet. And uh, in 1984, uh, he gave the keynote address at the Democratic Convention, and the Democratic nominee that year was Walter Mondale. And I remember Mike Royko, uh, the columnist for, in those days, the Sun-Times, wrote a column that's saying the Democrats, if they had any brain, they would uh, immediately replace uh, Mondale with Cuomo. Because Cuomo is a standard bearer that could really rally people against Reagan. Of course, that didn't happen. But wouldn't that be uh, interesting if all these years later, the Democrats replaced Biden with Cuomo at this uh, convention? So anyway, it's you're right. J.B. Pritzker has a lot of potential and promise, and I would not be surprised if someday he runs for president. Yeah, come on. Not Cuomo. we got to be a homer now. Come on, Pritzker. <laughs> Home team. Yeah, okay. uh, wouldn't it be great if we could choose between, like, Two really capable people. Uh, but, well, we have Bernie in the race. I should, I should not. You know what? Miles will be coming on uh, tomorrow, and Lorene will be coming on later today. It'll be chiding me for making concessions. It's not over yet. Biden has not secured the nomination. Our, I was going to say, our Chicago mayor has weighed in as well. Mayor Lori Lightfoot spoke on Trump's Easter surprise and President Trump in general, saying, quote, he has said things that are flat out wrong. Trump has very, uh, very able people at his disposal. He can tap into a worldwide network of science experts. He's not doing that. Trump is contributing to fake news. The things we're hearing on a daily basis coming from the president are unreliable and frankly scary because there are people who still credit him as a reliable source of information. We're not doing that here in Chicago. Uh, relying on him as a credible source of information. <laughs> yes, I would say. I Listen, I don't even know if the people who wear the MAGA hats believe that Donald Trump is a credible source of information. I believe that the MAGA hat wearers, and I've read many MAGA hat wearing columns by various uh, MAGA hat lovers down through the years. They just hate Democrats so much that they stick with Trump. And... Trump just feeds their hatred of Democrats, of Democratic elites, of Hollywood actors who always are telling them how they live their lives, of people who are against, uh, who are for gun control, all these things that they hate. So I'm not even sure they believe Donald Trump. I mean, I can't believe that somebody watches Donald Trump talk about packing the churches at Easter, knowing that this is a guy who was playing around on his wife weeks after you know, she gave birth to their kid. We think that this is a man of faith who really cares. I just have a hard time believing that, D. I just think it's a cynical uh, acceptance of Donald Trump as the man that you love because you hate the same people he hates. I don't know. Maybe I'm giving too much credit to Trump lovers. Shout out to our good friend Jim. He's on the live stream chat. Jim actually was uh, a big listener of uh, the show, you know, before you got fired. <laughs> the radio days. Oh, yeah. uh, Jim looks like he's found us online and he's joining us on the live stream chat. Jimbo, you're the man. He actually uh, let me know here that Lori Lightfoot is giving her speech right now, our daily uh, update here on COVID-19. I got it pulled up here. It's not Lightfoot. Uh, it's this, uh, this lady. I'm not sure what her name is, but here we go. So, I mean, it was just, what, two weeks ago, maybe, that we announced the first case of community spread. Um, and increasingly, you know, as I've been saying, 
everybody is going to know somebody who has had coronavirus or a friend of a friend and exposure um, because we're seeing it in the community. Early on, we could follow. We did a lot of work following every China from tra you know every traveler from China. Um, lots of work around every contact of any potential case. We're not at a point anymore where you can always know who is at risk. Right? And so this recommendation about really being in as little contact as we're able to is because I can't say right now when someone is diagnosed for sure how they got it. In most cases, as we've seen in, you know, here in Chicago, around the world, it is a close contact in the household. But in terms of where that started and how it came in, a lot of times we don't even necessarily know at this point. And so um, this isn't a, a, an on-off switch, but it's a signal. We put the orders in because it's a signal um, that increasingly it's here in Chicago. All right, Dr. Arwady Wally, still oh, sorry. Sorry, Mayor. Um, this question. All right, we're going to play more of that throughout the day. I think that was uh, Health Commissioner uh, Allison Arwady. That's <clears throat> who that was speaking. The Commissioner of Health for the City of Chicago. And, uh, you know, uh, uh, it's funny that you didn't ask me, do, you, do I think Lori Lightfoot has presidential aspirations? <laughs> no, it <laughs> slipped my mind. <laughs> I don't think she has presidential. <laughs> I think Lori Lightfoot's like, what did I get myself into again? Why did I give up my uh, cushy corporate career as a lawyer? Uh, and here's Rahm Emanuel just like, oh, okay, I can sit back and relax now. <laughs> yeah, Rahm Emanuel. I, I, every day I always say, thank goodness uh, Rahm's not our mayor right now. Anyway, Lori Life is doing okay, I guess. Uh, but I... I um, I'm not surprised that Lori Lightfoot is uh, ripping Donald Trump. I appreciate the fact that she's doing that to a certain degree because I do believe, uh, unlike my moderate Democratic uh, friends, uh, that it's very important to um, be critical of Donald Trump. He's so absurd, and the, the pronouncements he makes are, are so dangerous in so many ways that, yes, you should criticize him. You should stand up to him. You should not just go along because it's, you're supposed to play nice. Uh, in in when you deal with Republicans, which is what so many of my uh, moderate centrist Democratic friends think. All right, and it seems like JB Pritzker gives his daily uh, updates right when our show ends. So uh, I'll try and uh, get some audio from that maybe tonight if I can. But we'll play some more of uh, Lori Lightfoot uh, as today rolls along here. Let's call up Monroe Anderson right now and see if we can get him on the line and. Have him defend Joe Biden. Boy, we were <laughs> ripping him there for the last 30 no, minutes. No, let's get we, – we need to hear a defense of Joe Biden <laughs> because, uh, yes, I've been very critical of him the last – and I, I was surprised by the, the, the feedback I got, oh. D. A lot of people very upset with me for um, criticizing Joe Biden. All right, got to call Monroe one more time here. Monroe, can you hear us? Wait, hold on. There we go. Now I think we'll be able yeah, to – Yeah, you're good. There we go. All right. Loud and clear, okay. Monroe. Yes. Um, are, are we on yet? We are on. You're on live, and uh, I've got many things I want to talk to you about. Uh, you sound, This is as clearest as you ever come through, so I'm really glad we got this Facebook connection going here. got to give Zuckerberg a little credit for that. All right, Monroe, so, yeah. much, so much to talk about, uh, but I've been just saying how I needed to hear someone defend Joe Biden. I've been very critical of Joe Biden for the last couple days uh, as a standard bearer uh, for the Democratic Party. Uh, and I feel as though he disappeared when he was needed the most. And now that he's emerged, I can see why he disappeared, because he's stumbling all over the place. Uh, and I want to hear the opposing view from a Democrat to explain 
why I should be, um, how should I put, confident that Joe Biden is the perfect person, the right person for this moment in time to lead the Democratic opposition to Donald Trump. So can you offer me that confidence? Yes. Okay, go ahead. Okay, this is how you have to think about it. Uh huh. There, there by by the U, by the the law, the U.S. Constitution law, there has to be an election on November third of this year. Mm-hmm. You will have a binary choice. It will either be Donald Trump or Joe Biden. That's a no-brainer. Ta-da. And so, um, your point? I should have confidence in this? That's how, uh, that's how democracy works. Yeah. You, you, yeah. So, so I, I'm trying to understand. So what, what, what are you understanding about uh, the U.S. Constitution, well, the, the way presidents are selected in this country where 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 what where is your confusion except you just being a birdie bro well okay <laughs> uh, first of all i understand that there will be election in november uh, but what i'm saying is i'm starting to question whether joe biden will be the best representative that democrats can have to make the argument against donald trump uh and to convince voters to switch from trump to democrats or to show up in the first place and um that's what i'm asking you for and i'm saying the reason i have my doubts uh is his behavior over the last week uh in disappearing and then when he came out yesterday he stumbled so i realize there will be a choice uh, in November, I yeah. realize that if all things go well and Donald Trump doesn't manage to delay the election somehow or other, uh, we will have an election and it'll be a Democrat versus a Republican and maybe a few third party uh, candidates on the side. So I understand all that. But my question is, why do you think why are you confident that Joe Biden is the best representative that Democrats can have going against Trump? If if we had a doorknob running against Trump. That would be the better. The, the mission is to get Trump out of there before he would come. Mm-hmm. Um, looking at Biden's peculiarities, and, and Joe has been this way, you know, I mean, there are those who want to blame it on his being old. I mean, he he was he was he was screwing up thirty years ago on things he said and done. That's Joe Biden. Just like Trump lies <laughs> habitually and is corrupt. I mean, you get you you get what you get. And so this this is our choice, or will be our choice. All right. Well, we'll just have to. L- End it there. Uh, you didn't do much to convince me that this is the best person the Democrats can have going forth, other than to say this is the person the Democrats will have going forth. Well, Trump, this is the thing is that the 
Joe has the delegates. He is going to be the nominee. He is going to be up against Trump. So who do you go for? Do you go for the um, corrupt, lying um, old man? Or do you go for the bumbling <laughs> and the speech old man? Okay. All right. And you can't even yeah. you can't even flip a coin on it. Okay. <laughs> you, go, you go against Trump. Uh-huh. As, as, as I have posted in my arguments with some of your um burning bros, is that the position we have to take is anybody but Trump. Period. Anybody. All right, well, the day the group enters the race or something. And, and, and what did you say? What was the last line you said? Let David Dukes enters the race or something. Well, I do hold open the, I, I hold open the possibility that there could be a change that we don't see, and we'll just leave it there for the moment. Uh, oh, yeah. Now, let me give you a, a one scenario. Go ahead. Um, Trump... Has, has not um, done the distancing thing that he should have been doing. Neither has Pence. So the, the, the virus takes both of them out. And I mean out, out. I'm going to tell you about where they go home the rest, but they don't live to talk about this. Then we have President Pelosi. Da, da, da. <laughs> Monroe... <laughs> I've been li- I've been listening to your fantasies on this on this level for a long time. I always enjoy it. It always makes me feel good. Uh, yes, indeed. Okay. No, right. No, it's not a fantasy in the sense of that. I'm hoping this will happen, mm-hmm. but I'm just pointing out that it could happen. <laughs> Well, it could happen, yes, indeed. And uh, so yesterday they had their uh, press briefing in the Rose Garden. I just want to say they were practicing social distancing. First time they've done that in a while. They were sitting, I don't know if you saw it. Yeah, no, it's a little bit late for that. Yeah, it's a little late for that. What what happens, the way this virus is is, um, acting Mm -hmm. is that what you do today won't materialize until three weeks from now. So they weren't practicing uh, distancing three weeks ago. And so they may already be in trouble. Um, Prince Charles, I don't know if you heard this, but Prince Charles now has the virus. Mm -hmm. Yes, indeed, I I heard that, yeah. Yeah, you know, and, and Charles is in the age range where it could be dangerous. Um, Trump is in the age range where it could be dangerous. Pence, uh, I, I'm pretty sure is in the age range. I haven't checked on his age, but I'm sh- I think he's over 60. So I'm Mon- pretty sure he's over Monroe, speaking of the notion of the age range where it was dangerous, uh, the lieutenant governor of Texas uh, offered up an interesting perspective that uh, grandparents should voluntarily give up their lives uh, for their grandkids oh, yeah. going forward. Yeah, what you think about that's that? That's the Republican way. Right. No, that's the Republican way. Do, uh, do we go for the money or do we go for 
um, grandma and grandpa. Let's go for the money. <laughs> you know, I mean, it's, I mean, that's what Trump is doing. That's why he he says Easter time, go pack the churches. Um, we want to get our people back to work, although the the virus hasn't even peaked yet. Uh, because he's worried about losing the election uh, on one of the two legs. Well, he, he has a three-leg stool. One is putting racist young white men in, in judgeship. One, one is um, the um, stock market performing well, and the other is the economy performing well with the, with the, the um, unemployment numbers low. The, we're already in a reset, uh, recession. We may be in a depression by November. The stock market is um, less now than it was when he took office. So he doesn't have those two legs to balance his, his stool. The only thing he has is, well, he's, he's given us a lot of young racist white men in, in position, in judgeships. So he's desperate. He's desperate to try and come up with something. So okay, if they die, they die. But it, but let's put them back to work so we can say that unemployment is not as bad as it is. In fact, uh, I don't know if you caught this or not, but last week he asked states not to um, publish or announce their unemployment rate. Mm-hmm. Individual states. Yeah. You know, but the problem is that if, if you're sitting at home not working and talking to your friends on the phone or watching Netflix or whatever you're doing, you know who's not working. And that's what matters, not the stats so much, is the fact that you don't have a job. And, you know, this $2 trillion um, bill that the Democrats are uh, and, re- and Republicans are working on will be better than nothing, but it's a band-aid on a major problem. Well, one, uh, I have not had an opportunity to read all the details of this bill, just sort of the bare bones reporting that's come out. Right, because they're still ashing through them. So, yeah, we'll but be- but but the one the one thing that one one of the things that was hanging it up was. Trump wanted all this money, uh, $500 billion, half a trillion dollars, mm-hmm. uh, as a slush fund, basically, yeah. where where uh, the companies, the corporations, could do with it as they choose. And if you if you if you'll recall, um, during the last financial crisis that we had in 2008, we bailed the banks out, and the banks took the money that we bailed them out with and um, bought back their shares, uh, reinvest the money in shares instead of their employees, mm-hmm. which means that the CEOs got bigger salaries than they were going to get because their salaries were based on the, the bottom line. So they made the bottom line better, but it did nothing for um, the average American, mm-hmm. working American. And so the Democrats were insisting that there be some accountability. And Trump's response to that was, um, 
I'll I'll take the responsibility. <laughs> You're talking about a, a hen in a fox in the hen house situation. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. I uh, the interesting thing I noted was in I was watching a Governor Cuomo's briefing. Like you, I've yeah. taken to watching Governor Cuomo and getting his uh, take on reality uh, every day. Right. Uh, is that he was, his initial response of the bill was that he was critical of the bill. And he, he made a co- few comments that I appreciated. He said that uh, he was alluding to uh, the centrist Democrats who don't like to criticize Trump uh, at this time, who believe that you, you should just go along to get along with this president. Uh, that uh, you're, he, he knows they're telling him to be nice in the sandbox, play nice in the sandbox, but he's not going to play nice if it's going to shortchange his state. And he was his initial response to the bill was that it was not giving enough money to the states, particularly New York, which was uh, hit so hard. Uh, and right. I, I assume Illinois uh, will be hit as hard as well. What's your uh, rating? Of- yeah, maybe two, or, maybe two or three weeks from now. But yeah, it's coming our way. It's coming our way, yeah. Uh, so what's your thoughts on uh, not pl- playing nice with Donald Trump and uh, Governor Cuomo's advice to, to go at him with sharp elbows? Well, you know, but that's that's not 100% true. He said nice things about Trump. Um, and Trump has used that as an example of how great a job he's doing. That even Cuomo said nice things about him. This is the reality: is that if you are a governor, mm-hmm. then you have to play nice with the president to some extent, um, because you're gonna need favors for, for, from him for your people. For example, if you recall when Hurricane Sandy hit, uh, Chris Christie had had the gumption to like be seen with Obama and looking friendly. Mm-hmm. And the the um the teabaggers went crazy <laughs> over that. You're you're right. And, yeah, it's like he was just missing and smiling. Yeah. So you know, but you know, but Christie was sucking up to Obama because he was gonna need that money, that federal assistance, to take care of his people. Yeah. In the meantime what and with Trump Trump has been playing uh, quid pro pro with the governor. Yeah. You know, it's like, well, if you, what are you going to do for me? Yeah. Well, well it's, it's, it's we're in such a weird world. If this was a twilight zone, people would go, well, Rod Thurling went too far <laughs> on this. No, you're right, uh, Monroe. And in that same press uh, press briefing, I watched Cuomo. You're absolutely correct. I watched uh, uh, how he dealt with Trump and the language that he used. And reporters would throw him questions, which ena- would enable him to criticize Trump. Uh, but he resisted making direct criticism of the Trump of the kind that I would make or I have made. Uh, me. Yeah, right. Exactly. Yeah, okay. You know, it's just like it, it's just like with Anthony Fauci, the, the the doctor. Yeah. You know, he's standing there, and Trump is lying through his teeth. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And, and Fauci, then, then the reporter called Fauci and said, "Well, uh, 
Will drinking bleach actually cure coronavirus? I need that. Well, there's not much evidence to that. I said, this guy is wacko. (laughs) And, you know, and and Fauci, who dates all the way back to HIV, Mm -hmm. uh, has this incredible reputation. So he could just walk away from us. He doesn't have to to hang in there. But I think as a a matter of national security and professionalism, he's there. Because if he weren't there, it would be worse. Yeah, he is there. Uh, we don't know how long he'll stay there. Uh, there have been articles. They shoot him. But they shoot him in the head. Get rid of him. Yeah, I mean. And he. He may wake up tomorrow and see a tweet. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, he, I noted he, he was not invited for the, the Rose Garden briefing uh, the, that, uh, where Trump made his Easter remarks. Uh, but, yeah, he's, he's sort of a tenuous there. I was uh, likening him to some of the uh, other aides. You could see, you could watch a progression where Trump uh, was showing his displeasure with an aide and would start with a tweet uh, and then the person would not be invited back to the White House, and suddenly uh, there would be articles about how behind the scenes Trump was livid at the person, and next thing you know, the person's gone. So I don't know if he can right. do that with the doctor, but I do think there's a pattern, and I'm watching. Uh, it's I'm watching how it develops uh, with Dr. Fauci as well. Yeah, yeah, well, yeah. Because last week, maybe it was Friday, Thursday, or Friday. When Trump had the his, his, his briefings, his daily briefing, uh, which is mainly a campaign event for him, mm-hmm. but as as he was having it, he went he started going on about the deep state and what it was doing, and Fauci did a face plant on that one, you know, where he literally took his palm and put it up against the side of his face, like, oh brother, you know. Yeah, and it got and, and it became a meme, and so I'm sure Trump was happy about that. Yeah, no, he wasn't, and I, I I think that's about the time we started seeing less of the good doctor. And I follow these things. Okay, the I get those Tea Party emails. I tell you everybody, and they send it. They are obsessively. I got to tell you, people, if you're not on these, um, if you're not on the mailing list, I have to just let Democrats know. Monroe, you're talking about, well, it's going to be uh, a choice in November, regardless. And it's just you're going to get to vote against uh, Donald Trump. Even if it's for Joe Biden, you're going to get that opportunity. The Republicans are taking this very seriously. They are so many emails that I get on a regular basis. And I know if I'm getting them, uh, then Trump supporters are getting them. From Mitch right. McConnell, I mean Newt Gingrich, Mitch McConnell, uh, the the Trump's. No, because they're, they're, we got them on the run. They're running scared, and uh, this this is what I'm. Uh, I'm, I'm I, I see my spot out there on that limb, <laughs> and I'm on my way there. But I'm predicting it's going to be a blue tsunami. And the Republicans are going to be wiped out. They're going to lose so many races. We're going to get the Senate back. We're going to keep the House. And we're going to get the White House. Yeah. 
well, the um, wow, I'm going to hold you to that one. Uh, a clean right. sweep. And then we're going to have to roll up our sleeves and try to undo all the mess that Trump has made. All right. Now, speaking of which, uh, you had a posting about a week ago uh, that was very interesting. Let's talk about it. Uh, you you asked the question, why do Democrats or what well, Democrats, why does the country still have faith in the Republican Party uh, right. and elect these presidents who are so incompetent in dealing with catastrophes and crises because they have, what, so little faith in government to begin with? Talk about that, that issue. Yeah, yeah, no, 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 well, you have Reagan, who Republicans worshipped until Trumpism hit them. Uh, and Reagan had Alzheimer's, pre, he was at least pre-Alzheimer's, if not Alzheimer's, period. You know, he took a lot of naps. And the government was mainly being run by Cheney and other evil people. And they don't believe in government. Uh, then, okay, so anyway, we get through Reagan. And then we get baby Bush. Daddy Bush was, um, except for Clarence Thomas and a couple of other things, wasn't too bad. <laughs> but but uh, he wasn't great, but he wasn't horrible. But then we get baby Bush, who doesn't know what he's doing, W. Who hasn't a clue of what he's doing, and um, that's 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 when we had Cheney. Sorry, that's when we had Cheney running the, the thing and doing all kind of evil stuff. And Bush was sort of going along for his first term, and then he got he caught on and figured out that um, he, that wasn't a thing to do. But so he, he gives us the greatest recession um, next to the, the Great Depression. Uh, the one thing about Trump is that up until Trump got into office, my, my saying was that Bush was the worst president we ever had. Trump moved him out yeah. by a, a great distance for that worst president. And actually, I, I was exaggerating a little bit. Johnson was worse than Bush, too. Bush was his second or third worst president. Well, I, I uh, and that's a, a longer topic for another day. I, I, Dennis has been teasing me that I'm, uh, because I'm wearing a red hat, that I'm feeling my inner Trump these days. I, George, <laughs> George Bush got us involved in two wars that we're still not out of yet. And, uh, right. It's hard for that me was, that, yeah, that to, to overlook that. Was that was changing and the neocons manipulating him. Yeah. Well, whatever. He he was the president who uh, got us into the wars. So yeah, because he wasn't that right, you know. Yeah. Uh, and it's, so it's hard it's for like me to... His mother and father said he was just adequate. And that's pretty bad when your parents say you're just adequate. Yeah. Well, my greater concern about where we're going as a country is that when I look at the Republican Party, each one of these presidents moves further and further away from what the uh, center used to be in terms of what an attitude about government being for the common good of people uh, and uh, following that's policy. Reagan. Yeah, it's it, yeah, that's, that's Reaganism. Reagan started that. Yeah, and back in when before Reagan became president. Mm -hmm. uh, 
this country was uh, a lot friendlier and it wasn't um, holding poor people hostage and punishing them for being poor. They were, they were vilified because they were poor. There, were, there was some empathy. We are now to a point where um, among many Americans, not all, but, but many, that if you're poor, it's your fault and you have to live with it and you, you can go someplace else if you want. But now what's happening with this crisis that we're now in is that with where 40% of Americans don't have 400 bucks in the bank as a fallback, mm-hmm. um, we're, we're all going to be socialists. All right. Which is what Trump is, Trump is afraid of. Uh, okay, you need to go to break. Okay. Yeah, we need to go okay. to break. Monroe, uh, I want to thank you for being on. I know we're going to have to continue this conversation uh, down the road. Uh, I definitely on the Joe Biden issue. I know I didn't convince you and you didn't convince me yet, but maybe next week. Okay, well, I, I, I will be, you, you, you just warned me about this this morning. So next week I will be armed. I'm going to, I'm going to be to Joe's defense. All right. I'm going to come in. <laughs> Uh, Good, because he's obviously incapable of defending himself. Uh, That's Monroe Anderson. Every Wednesday in the Ben Jarofsky Show, the legendary journalist Monroe Anderson, and he's uh, keeping the tradition alive even in the era of coronavirus. We'll be right back with Lorraine Targos after this. Hey, everybody. What you're about to hear are the piano stylings of Jeff Manuel. Man, listen to Jeff go. Jeff Manuel has been playing piano around Chicago for years. He's played for conventions, for celebrities, played in basement bars with blues bands. He's played at prestigious social clubs, fine restaurants, and in the intimacy of private homes. Book Jeff Manuel at jeffemanuelpianist.com. Don't worry, I'll spell his name at the end of this commercial. You know what Chicago Magazine said? They said that Jeff Manuel is, quote, as comfortable with Chopin as he is with Cole Porter. He's excellent, and his performance is joyous. He offers an elegant stream of compositions and interpretations that entertains the mind but won't hurt the ears. To hear more of Jeff Manuel's work and to book Jeff for your next event, go to jeffmanuelpianist.com. I'm going to spell it out for you, people. J-E-F-F. M as in Mary, A, N as in Nancy, U, E, L, P, I, A, N, I, S, T, dot com. Take it away, Jeff Manuel. 